Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You're in. With me, Bram. No, Maxime today, but with me per usual, my boring producer, Marcus. What's up, Dad Nation? MT. Um, gosh, we haven't had one that was just you and I. And let me start this with something that's been on my mind, but we haven't had a chance to explore it all. So a few weeks back, we had Nat Fluential on. We do our judgment theater. And in her very special way, she basically calls us both fucking pompous and douchey. And I am used to taking punches. You know, like they happen all the time. I'm almost just... Uh, I don't know, familiar with it at this stage, but you don't take that many. How did it hit you, man? I didn't really get to ask you. You doing okay after that? It cut deep. Nat, if you're listening, it cut deep. Um, you know, normally I try to, first impressions are important to me. And, you know, that was the first time Nat and I had met um, that way and, you know, to come off that way. And she was just like, oh, he's definitely douchey. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so, you know, when the mics went cold, you know, I had to make sure I let her know, like, this is all entertainment. And I had said it with a smile on my face, but um, I'm still hurt. I, I, I cried. Get, to be to be perfectly, I've known you long enough where when she said that, I was like, ooh, yeah, I'm not, that <laughs> would have hurt me. And here I pulled this just in case it would make you feel any better. So, you know, we we get uh, reviews on iTunes and a bunch of other services. And I check it all the time. I don't talk about it, but you know me, man. I'm hell of neurotic. Other people's opinions mean the world to me, even though I pretend like they don't. And here is a recent one-star review we got on Apple. Quote, Bram 
is really what bugs me on this show. All self-centered and annoying introduces a segment and then I'll go first. Repetitive, ill-conceived, regular segments that get conceptually explained every freaking pod. So if he had just called me douchey and pompous, it would have been a huge upside. Like if that's all this had said, dude, it would have been in a much better place. So I don't, I don't know if that makes you feel any better, but there's people out there. This wasn't even the first impression. I've never met this gentleman and they very clearly hate me. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make me feel too good. You're the host and leading this podcast. So hopefully we didn't lose him as a listener. <laughs> I don't think there's any question there. I mean, note to that guy, there's a million podcasts that don't feature my voice. The fuck are you doing on this one? That's like watching soccer and be like, you know what? I hate sports where people use their feet. Like, what are you watching this for, man? It doesn't make any sense. But and spoiler uh, alert, we are about to do the same segments in a second. <laughs> and I'll be going first and we'll probably explain them. And it is what it is. Uh, but I'll use that as our push-off point. So we normally start this with the glass half full. I'd explain that as a fuck you to that guy, but uh, you know, I, I, we spent too much time on him already. But this week, I'm going to change a little bit. All right? We, we don't go through. Don't give me what you like and what you don't. Instead, I'm going to give you my concerns, and then I'm hoping you can talk me out of it. All right? So we have addressed whether or not we should be worried the last two podcasts. And to be perfectly frank, I'm getting a little bit more concerned. Now, let me say, right from the jump, still believe in this team. Uh, still view them as title contenders. More than that, man. If I had to bet something, you know, a phrase I use all the time that means something to me, I'd bet the Warriors as winning the title. Uh, but I have a couple of concerns that are starting to develop, and I've got to at least be honest about them. And they are these. The way I look at title contenders, the things that separate teams that are really good and teams that can definitely win in the playoffs are kind of threefold. It's defense, it's depth, right? And it's the ability to win on the road. Right now, the Warriors are at Orlando. I'm not sure how that's going to go out. But at the time of this, they have not won a single fucking game on the road. The defense has put them at the, I think, either eighth or ninth worst in the league. And it's the depth, it's the second unit that's leading to these problems, you know? So if you've got these three bullet points you need to make sure you make it to a finals and none of them are there through the first you know, eight games, we at least have to acknowledge it. Not that I think it's going to be for the whole season, but shit, man, there, you know, there's, there's something that's going on out there. Am I, am I crazy to say this? Am I, am I becoming chicken little Twitter? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, those are good barometers and good things to keep an eye on. And we've traditionally, when we've had successful seasons slash championship seasons, it's because we started off strong. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I think last season, Boston starting off as a sub 500 team and then having a strong run is probably more of an ano anomaly than it is something that we should pattern ourselves after for this season. But um, we're young, you know, like I, we've played um good facets of the of a game in each game but we haven't put them all together in one game we shot really well but our defense was terrible another one you know we played great defense but we didn't shoot the ball well this last game we shot better from three point range from two points we had more rebounds we had um you know like more transition points and uh the one thing that we didn't we lost was the turnover battle. So, you know, when you factor that in, we haven't played a complete game yet. So once we do that and the younger team or the younger players on the team know what that feels like, hopefully it'll start to come together and they'll realize what it takes and what it feels like to do that. But um, I think you're right in starting to at least 
uncover, lift the lid up on that panic button. <laughs> well, you know what, what, what you just said helped me kind of figure out why I'm starting to shift in my level of concern. You know, if it's one out of 10, I'm not at 10, I'm not at nine, you know, but if last week I was at a one, eh, this week I'm at a four, let's say. And one of the reasons it's that way, man, is that this is a different problem. So when I looked at it before, when I was at the one, you know, the way I justified it to myself is, look, new players, new roles. They got to bring the. We lost OPJ, all the things we've said. We've got these new guys. It's going to take a minute for them to gel. And the Warriors have done that. We've seen that throughout their dynastic run. Spates, David West, Livingston, Barbosa, OPJ. They've done that. They've brought people in. The thing that's different this time is the youth, right? It's not just bringing or, or having people play new roles. It's people who are just learning how to play in this league, also learning how to play in these new roles. So it's it's a, it's a different circumstance. They've never had to teach people both how to play in the system and in the NBA at the same time. So exactly. there's- yeah, they're building the plane while they fly it. And um, I think one thing that's lost that- should be counted too is um DiVincenzo is hurt. Yeah. So even though he's not a like for like replacement of OPJ or Gary Payton the second, um, he's a really good player and he was taking up the minutes so that we didn't have to throw Moody and Kaminga into the deep end this way. So yeah. um, you know, I think his loss is is kind of magnified right now, but in a way that people aren't appreciating it is focusing on the fact that you know, we're, we're not playing well and winning. He's a vet. He's a guy they wouldn't have to teach how to play in the NBA, right? He's just the new role guy. So to fit this into like the normal rubric, yeah, the glass half empty, JK and Wiseman are not ready to contribute during the playoff run. And that is an issue. So to get a glass half full analysis, I'm going to give you three possible solutions. You tell me if you think any of them will work. All right. Here's the first, and it's the most familiar. We've been talking about it all the time. It's give them time. These are young guys. They need to make mistakes. There is no uh, substitute for actually getting out there and feeling like, you know, whatever problems you're going to have, make the mistake and learn from it. So solution number one, give them time and then they will be ready by the playoffs. What do you think? Is it uh, doable? Um, I think it's doable. I just, there is a anonymous um, exec from the Eastern Conference than say anything else, but he said uh, Kaminga and, and Wiseman are just not that good. It's all that and, and um, you know, it it makes you wonder if if you know if they were playing the game to see if the Warriors will bite and, and let them go, which you know obviously the Warriors aren't aren't silly or that stupid, but you know it makes you wonder if that story is even getting out there, if there's a crack in the armor of what people think about them, sure. then, you know, that, that question is a good one. Like will a full season of trial by fire, you know, like reveal that these, these players are actually steel or will it, will it melt them down? So I think it's to be determined. Um, I still think there's a big upside for Wiseman Kaminga, his skill set feels a little awkward. Um, yeah. It's a little based too much on athleticism. So, um, but you know, they, they see more than we do on the, on the practice and Iguodala's all in. So you got to kind of trust the vets. I mean, am I confident? Am I positive that time will work, that they will definitely be ready if they just, you know, keep coming out there? No, I'm not sure. I'm not positive of it. I think this is what's ultimately going to happen. I don't think these other two solutions are what's going to go down. We'll cover them in a second, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that just putting them in there and learning will uh, will ultimately solve all our problems, you know? Um, and I'll tell you who I think may buck at it. It's the ownership group. 
You know, so I'm going to give you a really stupid example. All right. And I promise I'll round this back. But I recently bought a new bike. Loved it. Absolutely loved the new bike. And I rode it for a couple of times and the fucking brakes started making noise. MT. And I looked it up online and what it said was new brakes make noise. You just you got to fucking break them in. You got to be on it. You got to work through it for a while. So what it needed was time. Yeah. But I spent a ass ton of money on that bike, MT. I don't need to be riding around with it screaming behind me. And so even though all it told me was I needed time, I brought that shit in three different times to the mechanics and I had them fucking fix it. If I'm Joe Lacob and I'm spending more money than anyone has ever spent on any franchise in the history of the game, at some point, it's not okay that my brakes are making noise. And it's not okay that they tell me, just take time. It's coming. You know, and I, we're not there yet. We're to eight games right now, you know, but we get to 20 games, 25 games, 30 games. And there's still this, well, I'm not really sure about the second unit. I think there's going to be an increase in pressure. I don't see them just being fine with, no, this is, you know, this is how it goes. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, um, I think you should take your bike in again too and just make sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I agree. Be there. I, I, <laughs> they hate me at that bike store. That's not a joke at all. It started off friendly and now it's just like, yeah, I know that you're telling me to give it time. Also fix this shit, dude. I'm done with this. <laughs> and also stop introducing your segments on your podcast. Um, <laughs> Whatever. It, it yeah. may have been that guy who wrote that review. I'm trying to get over that, man. Please stop bringing it up. And I'm, I'm hurt as is you pompous bastard. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I mean, I think you have to give them time. There, there's also the fact that we don't know who these players are. Like clay has traditionally started slow every season, yep. um, you know, and, and now eight games in, he's not, off to gangbusters and everybody it seems like a lot of people forget that and they're like clay is terrible but it's like clay's never been good in the first great take 14 15 games of the season he always takes a while to warm up so we know that like maybe you know wiseman and kaminga are like that wiseman still fouls way too much kaminga is you know uh, hot and cold in terms of being productive and engaged and locked in Maybe that's the way that they are as players. We don't know yet. They they haven't played enough meaningful games. So, um, you know, you got to give them time for that. I think 20, 25 games is a good barometer to to test it. But the challenge, too, right now is Kaminga and Wiseman aren't getting enough minutes to really get, have the 25 games be a true litmus test. Like at this pace it'll take 50 games, right? So um, either you have to throw them in there and give them more minutes and let them figure it out or not. And it's a it's a tough balance that Kerr has to do. Perfect transition, right? So we, we're using the phrase games, but it's not really games. You know, if you play 30 seconds in a game, you know, and that's one game they've played in, that's not going to be enough. It's minutes. It's yeah. it's getting out there and getting time in, in real situations. So here's the second solution. If you think it'll help, send Kuminga and Wiseman to the G League. You know, they could they, they play 40 minutes a night or however many they can possibly handle. The ball is constantly going through them. They are using the Warriors system. What do you think? Does that solve the problem? I don't. Not at this point. I think last year it does. Um, I think this year, the fact that Moody would not be joining them and where they are that in the offseason, there was talk that you guys are going to step up and need to fill these holes in the roster that are, are, are leaving. Um, I think it'll be more detrimental to both of those players mentally than physically. So getting the minutes is helpful. Um, but I think the from a confidence standpoint, they need to stay on the Warriors, even if they're only getting 11, 13 minutes, you know, total. 
that's still better than 40 minutes in the G League based on what it could do to their psyche. Absolutely. I mean, if what I agree, and I'll add to it, if what we want them to do is get used to the experience of playing in the NBA and then be ready for the pressure of a playoff run. You know what doesn't replicate that? G League minutes, man. It's just not. You're not going to have the competition. You're not going to have the pressure. You're not going to have you know, the, the extra eyes that are constantly watching you. What they need is what they're going through right now. You know, they need this kind of scrutiny. Um, and at least what we've seen from JK so far hasn't necessarily suggested that he's ready to, to take it and run with it. Um, so, no, I don't think a G League stint matters either. The third and final option is a trade. So – let me say into this mic right now, I do not think that they should make a trade. That is not what I'm saying yet. Um, but that I, I think that if we get to that 25 game mark, that 30 game mark, the whole Steph's window is closing thing is going to become a much larger uh, deal, especially with how he's playing. I mean, he's, he's playing at an MVP level right now. That last loss came with a 30 point triple double. And, and at some point, if, if they aren't, capitalizing on what he's still capable of, I think we're going to start hearing the trade thing. So I've got some names here for you. They're all bullshit. Um, but let me just start generally speaking. Trade, even worth saying that word or way too early right now? I think it's too early, but there are probably some names that you're going to throw out there that I would I would consider. <clears throat> I mean, I'm thinking of two right now that were mentioned with another team so if you drop those we can talk about them but I, th I do think it's too early um i think the value we would get back um it wouldn't be uh say the same like we we would have to downgrade just based on the economics of it like yeah, like we're not gonna increase our payroll anymore and you know you still have wiseman and kaminga on extended rookie contracts so to bring in somebody um, of probably the names you're going to throw out there is going to just make the bill go higher and it's going to cause even more problems for us retaining Draymond in, in the core. Just for entertainment. All it is. Not suggesting this. Don't <laughs> aggregate me. Um, but ESPN's trade machine tells me we could offer Wiseman and Kaminga right now for Miles Turner. And we know that Indiana is tanking out. We know that Turner wants the fuck out. He's been talking about the Lakers. If he wants to join... LA, I'm sure he'd be very happy in Golden State. Um, no deep analysis, but how does that hit you? I throw that name at you. Are you interested? Yeah, that was the name I was hoping you were going to say. Um, I was going to throw Buddy Heald in there too, because I know they keep talking about Turner and Heald as a package. I'm not sure the the money works because money's harder. Good contract, yeah. yeah, the money's so, harder. Um, so removing Heald, um, I would I would think about that. I, I'm not sure of the fit of. Kaminga in the league long term. Um, and, you know, Wiseman is a good product, but Miles Turner does what he does a little bit better. He doesn't, you know, command the paint and, and catch alley oops like that, but he blocks shots better. He doesn't foul as much and he's a way better three point shooter. So um, I would, I would think long and hard about that. He provides both yeah. offense and defense of the second unit. The two things we're currently missing, right? I'll give you another one. This is a real random one. All right. So Utah's had some success, but they want to <laughs> lose. Yeah. Uh, and so Kaminga and Ty Jerome for Kelly Olinick. Ooh. 
I mean, you know, talk about no upside, not sexy in any way, shape, or form. Headband guy, which is always kind of exciting. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, competent dude. He Kelly Olynyk fits in that list of, of veterans we talked about before, the David Wests of the world. You know, like he he'd come in, you know exactly what to expect. Um, again, no deep analysis, but interested. I'm not just because um, defensively he's not that strong. I think what you get, I'm listening to Miles Turner because he, you know, has led the league in blocks and and is a strong force in the paint. Um, Kelly Olynyk is the opposite of that. He's the knock on him is he's a great shooter and great on offense, but he's not very good on defense. For those who aren't watching on YouTube and you should be, why aren't you? It's so much better seeing our faces, but those of you who aren't, what you didn't uh, get a chance to see is when I said Kelly Olynyk, MT started kind of nodding his head. And internally, I'll let you know, I was like, Bram, you beautiful son of a bitch. You've done it again. You've come up with a great name. And then, no, dude, you immediately uh, shot it down. All right. So those are the three options. Time, G League, trade. If Myers gave you a call or Lake of anybody, you know, a decision maker for the Warriors said, all right, you know, your options, man, A through C, which of those do you think uh, you would choose? And the trade is on the table and Indiana says, yes, we'll, we'll give you Miles Turner right now. Yep. Which I think they would. I mean, yeah. I don't know that, but you know, I think they would. It's early. Um, so I don't think Bob Myers will do it, but I would do the trade. I would trade for Miles Turner. Um, I don't think time at this pace at 13 minutes a game um, and 17 respectively of Kaminga and Wiseman will will afford them the opportunity to to learn and and kind of figure it out um while Steph and Clay and Draymond are in this shortened window. So I like Miles Turner better as a fit. I, I, we tried to go after him at least through this podcast um last off season. So I would do the trade. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I I think as of now I would say time, but that trade option is coming up real fast, man. Um, and it'll be interesting to see because if you're Lacob, you've got two competing concerns. One is what I talked about, the whole bike thing. I've spent $500 million. Where the hell is my title team? But the other is all the credit he got last year. You know, he he had his cake and ate it too. They had the two championship windows and everyone was like, oh my God, look at what Golden said. They are light years ahead. And for them to go into the trade thing concedes, you know, that those two title windows thing actually didn't happen. So I guess, I guess we'll see. I mean, only time will tell. Yeah. And I mean, you look at what the traditionally has performed best in those roles for us, and it's not a athletic center, you know, like JaVale McGee is a little different, but, um, you know, like Joe Legum came over and brought Bogut right in and he, you know, he wasn't shooting threes and, you know, he was he was blocking shots and being a paint, you know, a presence in the paint. I see Miles Turner doing that more than Wiseman, even though Wiseman's a big body. Um, and, you know, I'm just not sure how Kaminga is going to fit moving forward. Um, so I, I would do the trade, but it's, it's probably too early. We'll find out. I'm sure that we will have nothing but weeks to uh, to go back through this. <laughs> 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Let's flip to our golden questions. Um, just in case you don't know what this repetitive segment is, let me give you an explanation for it. It's our mailbag. This is where we get questions either about us or the Warriors. And I've had one I've been sitting on for a while. All right, so here's the question. Quote, how do you feel about Charles Barkley's take on Clay? And we got this question when it first happened. That was last week. Uh, but since there's been some responses. So on TNT's halftime show, which I love, Chuck took some shots at Clay Thompson um clay then responded steph responded and now most recently barkley offered his renewed take uh let me play that for you now i think you saw tonight he's like this young boy is kicking my ass ain't nothing i can do about it there was a time when clay thompson was the best two-way guard in the nba and he's not the same guy you know it hurts when uh you know someone like charles barkley with the platform he has says you're not the same player prior to the injuries you have. It's like, no duh, man. Consecutive years, I like, tore my ACL and my Achilles in consecutive years. Give me some freaking time to get that back. And just Who goes through something like that and comes back? I, I don't know. It just hurt my heart hearing that. The comments are part of our success, right? You're always going to be in the in the spotlight and people care about how you're playing and care to comment positively or negatively. But uh, it's interesting just because you certain guys kind of forget what their careers look like on the, on the back end. So you can kind of cast and throw those stones. So now, what would be uh, the thing you want to say on top I, of that? I was disappointed that he thought he took it personally. Um, I, went, I, I, I said a few years ago he was the best two-way guard in the NBA. But because of age and injuries, he's not the same player. I didn't say he was a bomb. I'm saying he's not the same player he but was. Did you, did you expect him to be the same player? No, but I, I was asked, I was talking about what I've been seeing. Going back, I and mean, I can go back to the finals. When I went back to the finals last year, I'm saying like, man, he's, and he says, give him time. No, you don't get, when you get older, time ain't your friend. I love Clay, and I, that's what bothered me. I love that kid. I love everything about him. Like I say, I used to say, this guy's the best two-way player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But because of age and injuries, he's not the same guy. All right. Um, I, I want to say I'll go first to give you time to think as another F you to that review, but I, I feel real strongly on this, so I'm going to let you go first, and then uh, I'll give my take. What do you think, man? What, that, how do you feel about Barkley's takes there? So I think the the spirit of what Barkley said is right. Um, I think his second take of it not 
clarifying the way that he was saying it, um, you know, the right way to me is, is where the problem lies. Um, his take that Clay Thompson isn't the same player is true. Clay being hurt by that is natural. Steph defending him and everybody else defending him is natural. Barkley's second take of saying, look, I love the kid. He's always said that that's true. When we were debating and they were asking, you know, Charles Barkley, who his favorite two guard was, he would say Clay Thompson. They'd say, who, who do you think has a better jump shot or a prettier jump shot? Steph or Clay? He'd say Clay every time. So it wasn't, it's not like this deep hatred that he has for Clay, like he does for the Bay area. He really likes Clay. Um, so I think what was missing from his second take was that him admitting like, yes, my, he, he said, it. he said, this is my job, but he didn't like put it in the right context. His job is to analyze the game that's in front of him. And the game that's in front of him is a player that isn't what he used to be. I think he missed the chance on the second time to say, I'm just analyzing the game that's in front of me. That's my job. Yes. It, it will take more time for clay to be back to the player that I think he can be or that he was when he was the best two guard will have to wait and see if he gets back there. I think that little wait and see part is what was missing and what kind of hurt clay the most, because he's not saying that clay can't get back there. He's just saying he's not there right now, which is factual, but um, you know, it, it still hurts and you know, clay is going to use it as fuel. Dude, I'll tell you what was missing an ounce of fucking compassion, Marcus. That, <laughs> that was totally unacceptable for me. I mean, totally unacceptable. Let me start with, is it true or not? Who gives a shit? True does not make things okay to nationally blast out. If I see a woman who's overweight in, in public, I can't go over and say, you know what? You are fat. That doesn't make it okay that it's true. It is, you know, there are social norms you're not allowed to do. Is he allowed to critique players? Of course she is. Is that his job? Of course it is. But critiquing somebody because they've gotten older and they're on the other side of two surgeries is not his job. I think that there's been a long standing history of recognizing as players get older, you don't take shots at that. I'll give it a, a different context. If Jordan Poole came out and was playing shitty after a hundred million dollar contract and Barkley had anything to say, totally justified. That's his job, you know, and that's exactly what you do. But to take shots at Clay now, when he's coming back, he's getting older and coming back from two major surgeries. All you're pointing out is the linear passage of time, asshole. I, I, it hit me, and maybe it's because I'm getting older. Maybe it's because I love Clay. Maybe it's because I'm frustrated by the way that the Warriors are playing. But re-listening to it, even just now, it, it upsets me, man. It's ridiculous. He was off on that. When Barkley got old and fat, and Steph kind of pointed this out, Nobody got behind a mic and said, oh, you know whose game has changed? Barkley. We all saw it. Nobody has to point it out on national television. So it it just, it was wrong in my eyes. And it, it's hitting me. It's not a, a rational take. It's an emotional one. But it's one I feel strongly about, man. Yeah, I could tell. I, I, I didn't take it quite as personally. Um, I could tell too. Emotional side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, I, I don't, I didn't like that he did it. And you can tell from his tone. Like you were saying, there wasn't a ton of empathy in it. Um, but, you know, that said, I just, you know, like, I, I I think it's the flip side. Like what we love about Charles Barkley when he's talking about other players in other cities and, you know, like he called all the fans in San Antonio, you know, overweight. And, yep. you know, like it, we're not San Antonio fans, so we laugh about it. Um, so I think it's, I think that comes with the territory that, you know, if I'm, 
if I love his takes and and laugh at what he says and nod my head when he's talking about other people, then I have to be able to take that medicine when he's talking about the people I care about. <laughs> I think that's fair, but just because he, I mean, I, I, I'll a different view on it. Um, what he has always been good at is drawing eyeballs. Charles Barkley, it's not his analysis that's phenomenal. His analysis, generally speaking, is fairly basic. I'm not even sure if he watches anything beyond highlights. What he is great at is controversy. And, and this is a perfect example of it. Here we are talking about him. That helps TNT. He's good at what he does. But just because he's creating controversy, I don't necessarily give him credit for it. If he punched a baby in the face, we'd talk about it, you know, and it, it would probably raise his Q score, or at least um, the amount of people talking about his name. But it doesn't justify it to me. This, you know, he, he's punching my baby, MT, and it's not OK, dude. I, I am <laughs> I am not OK with it. Uh, all right. Go to the look around the league. Um, for those who are new to the show, this is where I stopped talking. Marcus has looked around the league, pulled some stories uh, from all types of teams, and we'll pick one and venture into it. MT, what have you found? All right. I got a couple of things. A couple have some Warriors ties to it, too, but I uh, felt like they were worth bringing up. So first one, um, probably one that everybody's expecting. Uh, Steve Nash is let go by the Brooklyn Nets. And sources are saying that Ime Udoka is the front runner to replace him. So we could talk about um, all the problems that that would create and kind of how that how that comes to be. And, you know, if that were to happen, kind of what what message is that sending? Um, Second story is Kyrie's uh, apology slash non-apology about um, promoting the anti-Semitic film that um, he's been in controversy about uh, Adam Silver recently came out and said uh, what was missing from his um, you know response was an apology and he was you know kind of disheartened by that so we could talk about Kyrie being Kyrie um, and then two other ones uh, one uh, Jordan Poole has been called for get, carrying the ball a lot um, that's Warriors but what makes it look around the league is that they're starting to call it with other players now. And John Morant chimed in on Twitter and said, everybody does it. So, um, you know, is this a thing that will start to pick up or, you know, we can talk about the impact of the referee starting to make that call a little bit tighter now. Um, and last but not least, um, Dwight Howard recently said that, um, if you didn't know, he's actually been a warrior for life and that he would be very, helpful in mentoring James Wiseman and true to form. And I love it. Zaza Pachulia said, absolutely not get out of here. So we can talk about <laughs> Zaza's response to that. And um, I didn't know that Dwight Howard was a warrior for life, but you know, we can, we could talk about that as well. <laughs> I'm not sure he totally is positive about what warriors means in that context. You know, <laughs> I, I, I also saw that clip. <clears throat> I'll keep the Dwight Howard thing real fast. I have zero interest in him on this team. Um, we just discussed how the Warriors need a you know size and they need some some kind of addition, some change. I don't think Howard's that guy. Do you? No. 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 So we won't go deep into that at all. Team the guy. Uh, yeah, we, you know, maybe. In fact, if I had to choose between the two, I'd prefer Zaza fucking suit exactly. that guy, man, in a heartbeat. Um, Kyrie is too long of a conversation. Uh, I do think we'll talk about that. And as a Jewish American, I have some takes on it, but we don't have to jump down that rabbit hole quite yet. I want to see how this thing plays out and what the league does. And then we can have a comprehensive conversation, which leads uh, the Nets and them hiring Udoka. 
or Jordan Poole and the traveling thing? Which what are you heading towards? Which one seems more interesting? Um, I think there's a little more meat to the bones on um, the Udoka one, but you know, the carrying is going to be interesting. It's it's been around for a while, so let's do Udoka. But I will add to the, the the JP story. I saw them interview or ask Kerr about it. And he pointed out that it has been going on forever. And I think what he said was that it started when Allen Iverson convinced the league it wasn't a travel, that of course it's a travel, that everybody does it. And it's weird that they're starting to call it now. I don't yeah. know the, the the officiating in that Miami game is a little suspect throughout, you know, and I, I'm going to overuse this term throughout the year. It made me think of the Tim Donahue do- uh, documentary yet again. Uh <laughs> But yeah, it was. I guess it's not surprising to see them calling it in different ways because they seem to be totally subjective, and there's not a lot of objectivity on that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a carry when he does it. You know, I I remember vividly just watching some games and seeing him do it, and I'm like, that's a carry. I I, I guess you can do that now, but you know, like Kevin Durant does it too. There's been a few times oh, yeah. I'm like, Kevin Durant can do that. Like that seems like a carry. So if they start calling on him, then I'll believe that it's a crackdown. Otherwise, I, I think I'm on Kerr side where at least be just asking for a consistency because a lot of players do that same move. I mean, what Jordan Poole needs to do is start bringing a copy of his contract and hand it to the refs. It's like, I'm a hundred million dollar player, dude. I am allowed to travel. Like, I don't, I'm not <laughs> sure why you're calling this in any way, but that brings us to Udoka. What a weird story. So it sounds like it's done deal. Sounds like Udoka is going to the Nets. Nash is out. I saw a a TikTok from him where he was dancing, and I think the yeah. uh, the line underneath was when you don't have to deal with Kyrie on a daily basis. So good for him. <laughs> the idea that they're bringing Udoka in, I don't. So maybe you can help explain this to me. If what he did was so awful that the the Celtics decided, okay, you know that's it, we're going to suspend you for a year, and then you're probably gone forever then why is it not so awful for the Nets? Why is it okay from the Nets perspective? You know, like, no, you know, that's, that was over in Boston here in, you know, Brooklyn, everything's fine. I don't, I don't get the distinction. Yeah. I don't get the distinction either. I mean, Udoka was a assistant coach there um, under Nash. So maybe he, you know, has different relationships with the Nets organization and front office that we're unaware of. Um, but I, you know, the, we still don't know the reason why he, you know, was also let go from Boston. We've heard the reports, but nothing has been confirmed. If the reports are true um, and he was, you know, like having inappropriate relationships with wives and daughters or family members of, you know, executive level people in the Celtics organization, then, you know, is that a an offense that means you shouldn't be able to work ever again in the league? I don't know about that. Um, should he not work for the Celtics again? Yeah. I think it gives the Celtics an easier way to say, you know, like leave. We're, we're not going to fire you and deal with the whole legal issue of this. We're going to let you go. And another team wants you. So everybody, you know, at least from their side wins, not the the women who, you know, were caught up in, in this as well or the families. But um, it's just a weird situation. I don't know why the Nets are looking at this dumpster fire and saying, you know, what would be great? adding more Udoka to this. Like it seems like they're just oblivious to what this would do unless, you know, they know something we don't and he would just come in and fix everything. But it's just, it's a weird choice. Panic. It's a panic move. At least that's the way I'm interpreting it. And I tell you what details mean everything. You know, if the details are that he had an extramarital affair, that's one thing. 
if it's nastier than that, you know, I mean, and we don't know, I, and I, I won't even venture any guesses, but if it's nastier than that, then it's hard to justify these land another team. But I will say this, I'm kind of expecting us to learn the details. If I'm fucking Boston, you know, and I know these things and I've kept it all real quiet. And now a, a very heated rival and someone I'm going to need to get through during the playoffs has a coach who makes a difference. You know, he made a giant difference from them last year. One of the things I'm doing is leaking the details, you know, like, okay, Nets, like, you, you know, you want this story on your hands? Here's the story, you know, and let's, let's see, because wh- why not? I mean, at, at that stage, I would want them to deal with the full blown uh, fallback. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah, no, I agree. I, you know, and I, I don't think that they will do it like really send out a press release, you know, with the Boston Celtics letterhead, but it will get leaked somehow on accident. Uh, I agree. I, I think they would do that. I just don't. Yeah. Something has to be deeper about that story because, you know, you heard like Matt Barnes, you know, was right. immediately like went to Udoka's defense when you heard about it. And then came back out 12 hours later and said, I talked to some people. Yeah. That's way worse than I thought. Like I'm on the other side now. Like if, you know, that, that was all bad. That was, that was deep. So Richard Jefferson too. Richard Jefferson did the exact same thing. Like when you guys find out the details on this, <clears throat> you are going to be shocked. Then that doesn't sound like him sleeping with somebody else. It sounds like there's something else there. Yeah. And it's, you know, them saying it too, is kind of like a matter of, when you guys find it out too. So I agree. If if this move happens, it seems like Brooklyn is, you know, like putting their head in the sand, like not acknowledging or just they're okay with the fact that the details will come out. And it's like, it's just another story off the court that the Nets would have to deal with. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's, if I'm, yeah. If I'm Boston, I have Grant Williams dress up as Superman and then just read the details during a press conference. You know, I was like, oh, here it is. Here's what's gone down. Maybe he has a good Superman voice too. Exactly. All right, MC. Well, shit, man. It's uh, it's good having a two-man booth. This was big fun per usual. You want to reach out to us, you guys, if you enjoyed this, if you hated it, if you want to give us a one-star review, if anything. I, let me stop that. Don't give us another one-star review. I'm already, I'm hurting right now. I don't know if I could take another one. But if you want to reach out and call Marcus Pompas, that's all good. You can do that on our email account. That's uh, where's huddle at, uh, or huddle at where's huddle.com. And our social media account is only in one place. That's Twitter at Warriors Huddle. And finally, but perhaps most importantly, check out our YouTube page. It helps us, and I think it adds a whole new component to the show. Uh, With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you next week. Good, good. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.